We all know our Bible. And to varying degrees, we know Scripture and are able to recall what the Bible says. Jesus was also very wealthy in his knowledge of Scripture. I was studying this week as I was preparing for the message, and I, I went through the whole book of Matthew, and I looked at Jesus and when Jesus actually quoted Scripture, and there is lots. We see early on in Jesus' life when he was a, a young boy, probably around 12, 13, teenager age, his parents left him in a city and they forgot about him. And then they were like, oh, where's Jesus? And they went back to the city and they found him in the synagogue. And he says, why are you worried? Did you not know that I would be about my father's business? And so Jesus was a really a well-versed man when it came to scripture. I've got a question for you. Who do you think that Jesus quoted scripture to the most? Yeah, Pharisees. But in the book of Matthew, Christ interacts with the Pharisees and he rebukes them 18 times. There are 18 rebukes to the Pharisees in the book of Matthew. And the most that Jesus talked to from scripture is the Pharisees. I found that really, really, really interesting. It made me think about knowledge of the word of God and how something that the Pharisees missed was that their knowledge led them to self-righteousness. And their knowledge led them to putting up walls of religious beliefs that stopped them from encountering the living word of God. You know, in John 1, 1, it says, in the beginning was the word. This word in Greek is logos. In the beginning was the word and the word was with God and the word was God. He was with God in the beginning. He was with God in the beginning. If you go down to verse 14 in the same chapter, the word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. We have seen his glory and the glory of the one and only who came from the Father, full of grace and full of truth. This is John writing about Jesus. The word, the Logos word of God, the spoken word of God became flesh. And so here we have the Pharisees, the religious leaders of that time, the people who knew the scripture, who studied the law, who studied the Torah, who knew it and taught it, their knowledge was so much greater than everyone else. I don't know if you know this, but in terms of the Bible, in terms of the manuscript of the Bible, it wasn't until the Gutenberg printing press that began printing Bibles, and that was in like the 16th century, I think, but it wasn't until around the 15th, 16th century that the Bible actually became fully accessible for those that aren't priests or weren't ministers or rabbis. And so in Jesus's time, the people that knew the law, the people that knew the Torah, the people that read the Old Testament and had the manuscripts were the Pharisees, were the rabbis of that time. It wasn't your everyday Tom, Dick or Harry. It wasn't Peter. It wasn't John. It was the rabbis and the Pharisees who had that and they taught and they spoke the word. And so we have these really knowledgeable people, but their knowledge doesn't lead them to Christ. Their knowledge leads them to self-righteousness. Their knowledge leads them to restriction and religious practices that blind them from actually experiencing the living word, the Logos word of God when he came in the flesh. And it got me thinking about us. And it got me thinking about our knowledge of the Bible. You see, that's why I was asking us some trivial questions about references from Scripture. You see, I think in today's day and age, for a lot of Christians, 
the Bible, the word of God has become some trivial thing that we pull out and we wield it a little bit like a gun when we're, whenever we need it. You know, we're like, oh, here's Galatians 5.22. Here's Matthew 28.19. Here's John 10.10. 10. Here's John 4.24. Here's Ephesians 2.8. I'll pull it out when I need it. I'll pull it out when it serves me. But my knowledge doesn't lead me to increase my faith in Christ. My knowledge of the word of God, it just helps me in my life. And Jesus was so, so, so clear to both his disciples and the people that he preached to in his sermons and the Pharisees. Jesus rebuked the Pharisees over and over again because of the hardness of their heart, because of the fact that their knowledge didn't lead them to a relationship or a faith in Christ. In Matthew chapter 16, We'll pick it up in verse 1. The Pharisees and Sadducees came to Jesus and tested him by asking him to show them a sign from heaven. He replied, when evening comes, you will say it will be fair weather for the sky is red. And in the morning today, it will be stormy for the sky is red and overcast. You know how to interpret the appearance of the sky, but you cannot interpret the signs of the times. A wicked and adulterous generation looks for a miraculous sign but none will be given to it except for the sign of Jonah. Jesus left them and went away. Those are some really stern words from Jesus to the Pharisees there. He's basically saying, you can interpret the sky, but you cannot interpret what's right in front of you. You can interpret what you have learnt and you can interpret your knowledge, but you're missing the whole point of why I'm here talking to you right now. We go on to read. And when they went across the lake, the disciples forgot to take bread. Be careful, Jesus said to them. Be on your guard against the yeast of the Pharisees and the Sadducees. And they discussed this amongst themselves. And they asked and they said, it is because we didn't bring any bread with us. And Jesus, being aware of their discussion, said to them, O you of little faith, Why are you talking amongst yourselves about having no bread? Do you still not understand? Don't you remember the five loaves for the 5,000 and how many baskets full you gathered? Or the seven loaves for the 4,000 and how many baskets full you gathered? How is it that you do not understand that I was not talking to you about bread? But be on guard against the yeast of the Pharisees. And then they understood that he was not telling them to guard against the yeast used in the bread, but against the teaching of the Pharisees. A couple of weeks ago, I preached a message about how familiarity kills zeal and how we as a people of God, when we encounter God and when we know God, we become familiar with him. And it actually kills our zeal and our passion to continue to pursue him and to continue to want to know him more. In this scenario here, there's a little bit of familiarity in this story. The disciples are a little bit familiar with Christ and a little bit familiar with his workings. And they're not quite understanding what he's wanting to talk about. You see, the Pharisees, their knowledge led to self-righteousness. And Jesus says to his disciples, hey, 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 hold up a second. Your knowledge about my miraculous ways 
and your knowledge about my teachings, it can't, it can't lead you to the same experience in the same way that the Pharisees live their life. It has to lead you to something different. Your knowledge and your experience of me has to lead you to greater faith in who I am. The Bible, the word of God is not trivial. The miraculous signs aren't trivial. The knowledge has to lead to greater faith in who I am. Matthew chapter 8 in verse 5. The story of the centurion. The story of a centurion. At this point in time, I just want to give you some context for this. At this point in time, Jesus had come for the Jews. The gospel had not gone out to the Gentiles. There are a couple of story of people that aren't Jews experiencing Jesus while he was on earth. And this is one of them. When Jesus had entered Capernaum, a centurion came to him asking for help. Lord, my servant lies at home and is paralyzed and in terrible suffering. And Jesus said to him, I will go and heal him. And the centurion replied, Lord, I do not deserve to have you come under my roof, but just say the word and my servant will be healed. For I myself am a man under authority with soldiers under me. And I tell this one goes and he goes and that one come and he comes. And I say to my servant, do this and he does it. When Jesus heard this, he was astonished and said to those following him, I tell you the truth. I have not found anyone in Israel with such great faith. I say to you that many will come from the east and the West, and will take their places at the feast with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob in the kingdom of heaven. But the subjects of the kingdom will be thrown outside into darkness, where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Go and it will be done as you said, as you believed it would be. And his servant was healed at that very hour. I tell you the truth, I have not found anyone in Israel with such great faith. Many will come from the east and the west and will take their places with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob in the kingdom of heaven. But the subjects of the kingdom will be thrown outside into darkness. Many from the east and the west. Jesus is referencing people that aren't Israelites that don't live in the kingdom of Israel. Many from the east and the west, like the centurion, like us, many from the east and the west will sit with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, but the subjects of the kingdom. Jesus is talking about the Israelites. He's talking about the people who their knowledge doesn't lead them to faith in him. Many subjects of the kingdom were thrown outside into the darkness. We want to practice the ways of Jesus this year. If we want to be a people, a group, a collective body that are a revolution of love, our knowledge of God, our knowledge of the word of God cannot simply be trivial. It cannot. Our knowledge must lead to faith. Our knowledge must lead to faith. We must be like the centurion, a man who has probably not encountered Christ until that moment. A man who understands the authority that he's been given. A man who knows his identity. 
the centurion, when he's talking about, for I myself am a man under authority with soldiers under me, he's describing to Christ that he knows who he is. Like, I know that I have bosses. I know that there are people that have authority over me, but I also know the authority that I've been given over other people. And he spoke to Jesus and said, I know the authority that you have been given. His knowledge of Christ and Christ's authority led him, according to Jesus, the greatest statement of faith that he had found in the land of Israel. We want to practice the ways of Jesus if we want to be a revolution of love our knowledge of the word of God, the living, the Logos word of God, the word that became flesh that died for us. Our knowledge of this word must lead us to greater levels of faith in Christ. It must, must lead us to greater levels of faith, to greater faith, to greater experience and knowledge of who he is. Let us not be hard-hearted like the Pharisees, Let us not be blinded like the disciples were. Let us be aware and understand the importance of knowledge leading to faith and the importance of our experiences leading to an understanding of who Christ is and his heart for us. Let's protect ourselves against the yeast of the Pharisees. Let's protect ourselves against the yeast of this world. Let's not waver. Let's not be shaken to or fro. Let's have faith in a God who is miraculous, in a God who works miraculously, in a God who sent his son to die on the cross for us. The same God who spoke the word and creation came into being. Knowledge must lead to faith. Would you stand up? I want to pray for you this morning. In Romans 12, 2, it says, Do not be conformed to the patterns of this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind. And I just want to pray for us that this morning we would not conform to the patterns of this world, that we would not conform to the, the religiosities of the Pharisees, that we would not conform and we would not settle for a desire of knowledge and, and it stays at knowledge, but that we would be a people that would be transformed by the renewal of our mind and that our knowledge and our desire of knowledge would actually be a desire and an incubator for faith in Christ Jesus. Let's pray. Father, We come before you and we thank you. God, we thank you for your word. God, we thank you for your word today. God, we thank you for your word that was spoken at the beginning of time. That spoke, let there be light and there was light. That spoke the fish in the sea and the birds of the trees into being. The same word that became flesh. Father, we thank you for your word. Just in your heart, just thank him for his word that is alive, that is living, that is active in your life. Don't just let it be a prayer that I'm praying over you, but just stop for a second 
and just thank him for his word. God, we thank you for your spirit that leads and guides us. God, we thank you that your spirit leads us back to you. Father, I just pray for each and every one of us right now, myself included. Lord, would you increase our knowledge? God, would you increase our knowledge of your word? And at the same time, God, would you increase our faith in your word? God, let us not be a people that are knowledgeable for knowledge's sake, but a people that our knowledge increases our faith in you. Our knowledge increases our trust in, in you, in who you say you are. God, would, we, would you lead us and guide us? In your name we pray. Amen.